3: Boy, what a day! Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Uh, California Congressman Ro Khanna will be with us. I don't know if you caught this piece in Politico a couple of days ago, but apparently Jeff Weaver and a bunch of the people from the uh, from the old Bernie campaigns encouraging Congressman Khanna to run for president in 2024 if Joe Biden decides he's not going to run for a second term, and you know which is. Personally, I think it's fairly likely he'll be, what, 82? Something like that. So, you know, pushing it, But we'll see. Anyhow, uh, just, uh, anyhow, Congressman Connor will be with us. Also, as the Republican Party blocks funds, the COVID, the federal agency responsible for making sure that COVID... relief, as it were. I mean, you know, shots, test, tests, things like that are provided to uninsured people for free. That agency is basically going out of business. They're shutting down their operations. This week, how many poor and uninsured families will COVID devastate now? Also, neo-Nazis plotted to kill Black Lives Matter leaders and blow up the power grid. How, difference w- how different would the coverage of that story have been if they had been Muslims? or black people. It's a story you probably haven't heard about and yet it's right out there. I mean, you know, they're right in court right now. And this is uh, a huge story that is getting no coverage whatsoever and I can't figure out why. Maybe you can maybe you can help me figure this out. The uh, there is a federal uh, agency. It's called the the Health Resources and Services Administration that is the agency through which flows things like Uh, uh, If an uninsured person wants to get a COVID test, then, you see, the insurance companies, typically Typically, the the government will bill your insurance company or they'll bill Medicare, depending on how old you are. But if you're uninsured altogether, there is this fund that pays for your COVID test. Similarly, there is this fund administered by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, HRSA, that pays for your vaccines. Now, keep in mind, you know, about a third of Americans are not vaccinated yet. And about, uh, you know, 30 million Americans have no health insurance whatsoever. They live in red states where Medicaid has not been expanded. And in the last omnibus budget bill, this, you know, when they finally passed the budget with uh, uh, $30 billion, billion dollars, excuse me, more in it, $29 billion more than than, uh, President Biden asked for the Pentagon. They stuffed in an extra $29 billion. But originally, that bill had $16 billion in it to fund this agency for uninsured Americans to deal with the cost of treating their COVID, their hospital bills, their testing, and their vaccines. And the Republicans said, no, we won't go along with that. And so in order to get this legislation passed, this was kind of a last-minute thing, but in order to get that legislation passed, they had to pull it out. They had to take it out altogether, just, you know, eliminate the funding for HRSA, for the Health uh, Resources and Services Administration, to pay for COVID for uninsured people. This is 10% of America, 30 million people who have no form, none whatsoever, of health insurance. Ann Gaffney is the critical care doc at the Cambridge Health Alliance, uh, and on Twitter she noted, federal coverage for COVID-19 treatment and testing for the uninsured ends today. Coverage for vaccine administration for the uninsured ends in about two weeks. The rationing of COVID care by ability to pay begins now. Now, the Biden administration the White House is asking Congress to pass an additional $20 billion to pay for masks and tests and vaccines and drugs to deal with COVID. But Republicans are saying, no, not gonna do it. No, thank you very much. And this is a disease that's still killing a, a thousand Americans every day. Randy Fenstra, Feenstra, a Republican from Iowa, Uh, In the U.S. House of Representatives, he says, we don't need COVID funding. We have more issues with inflation than COVID right now. And this is a guy from Iowa, which I don't, I I don't frankly know for certain, but, you know, it's a Republican-controlled state. It has been for a long time. In all probability, they haven't expanded Medicaid. Maybe they have. But still, 10% of Americans have no health insurance. And we've got a. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, it's going endemic. With well, all that, be, I mean, now you've got you know uh, Omicron B2 or D2 variant now starting to sweep the country. It's it's rolling across Europe. I got a, fr- a note this morning from a friend of mine in uh, Scotland saying, "Oh my God, I just got COVID, and it's bad. And you know, say a prayer for me. I mean, literally." And that's coming to America. There, we're seeing this spike right now in Europe, and now here it's coming to the United States. But hey, we don't need any money for this. We got bigger, bigger fish to fry. We, got, we need more tax cuts for billionaires, don't you know? It's amazing. I got to tell you about these neo-Nazis. Now, pick up your calls on the other side of the break. The
2: Tom Hartman Program
3: exposing the con in conservative. We'll be right back. You know, they often say that a Republican Senator from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, is the stupidest guy in the entire United States Senate. Yeah, I get it. Tommy Tuberville gives him a run for his money, but he just came out with, uh, with what has to be at least the very stupidest idea of the year. Ron Johnson is proposing, you know, there's a shortage of child care workers right now in America. There's a whole bunch of good reasons for that, but he has proposed a solution. His suggestion? Any woman in America who's getting any kind of public assistance, you're getting food stamps, you're getting you know, tuition, whatever it may be, uh, you would be forced to go into daycare centers and care for children. Yeah, seriously. This is Ron Johnson's idea. People who had no training, and one of his assistants said, well, it's just like teachers who teach at public schools where their own kids attend. No, it's not. These are not trained professionals. There's no union. This is nuts. There's a whole video about it over at TomHartman.com. Check it out. I just want to share this quick story with you, and I'll pick up your phone calls. Uh, this, well, actually, it's not so quick a story. The, the, just the, the, the question that I'd like to frame this story in the context of, and I'll just put this right to you, is how would this story that I'm about to share with you be treated if it was about Muslims in the United States or if it was about black people or Hispanic people in the United States. Here's the story. The headline, this is by uh, Jordan Green over at rawstory.com, he's a staff reporter. Um, The headline, a neo-Nazi terror cell plotted to kill Black Lives Matter leaders and attack the American power grid. When arrests began, a cop uh, cop from Indiana uh, started singing. Uh, Paul James Kriskuk, a former porn actor who used the alias Deacon, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to damage an energy facility. Uh, This was uh, last month. Marine Corps Corps veteran Justin Wade Hermanson, a.k.a. Sandman, entered a guilty plea for conspiracy to illegally manufacture ship transport and receive firearms on March 8th. Three co-defendants have yet to be arraigned on multiple counts of conspiracy to illegally manufacture and transport firearms and destruction of an energy facility. These guys met through a website called Iron March, which is now out of business, but uh, for many years it was the online nexus for violent Nazis. In fact, according to Wikipedia, over 100 murders could be tracked back to it. Collins wrote in a post on Iron March in August 2017, the same month he entered basic training for the Marine Corps, uh, that he could run live fire exercises. He said, Think of it as a modern day SS. Yes, these people are Nazis. He outlined a plan for launching a, a race war, laying the groundwork for a future white ethno state. Quote First order of business is knocking down the system capital T, capital S, the system, mounting it and smashing its face until it has been beaten past the point of death. They're speaking of the United States of America here. The system, he says, eventually we will have to bring the rifles out and go to work. We will have to hit the streets and strike as many blows to the remaining power structure as we can to keep it on the ropes. According to the indictment, the purpose of their attack on the power grid was, quote, creating general chaos and to provide cover and ease of escape in those areas in which they plan to undertake assassinations and other desired operations to further their goal of creating a white ethnostate. Now, what if white ethnostate had been replaced by black ethnostate or Muslim theocracy? Do you think this would be on the front page of the New York Times right now? I do. I absolutely do. But because it's a white ethnostate, it's like, oh, yeah, I, 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 those guys. Black Lives Matter co-founder Alicia Garza disclosed that the FBI notified her that her name was on a list found at this guy's house. You know who busted them initially? It was NCIS. I've, I've watched the show on TV, and I, I didn't. You know, I, It's like, who knew? Uh, anyhow, uh, the group discussed the Metcalf sniper attack in which six individuals with AK-47 or assault rifles shot out 17 transformers at a substation near San Jose, California, that provide electricity to Silicon Valley. I didn't even know that had happened. Right? This is how little publicity this kind of stuff gets. And they said that this was the model for the attack that they wanted to they wanted to carry out. And so then one of these one of these three guys. Uh, Zacharyk joined the Lafayette Police Department in Indiana in June of 2020. The same guy in his biography for Iron March claimed an interest in, quote, national socialist economics as a way of throwing off the chains of usury and Jewish-owned banking. During the summer of 2020, the government alleges the neo-Nazi, I'm I'm, I'm reading from Jordan Green's piece here in Raw Story, During the summer of 2020, the government alleges the neo-Nazi terror cell stalked Black Lives Matter members in Boise and openly discussed acting out violent fantasies. They planned to attack the power grid, were specifically tied to uh, their antagonism towards Black Lives Matter. Their slogan? The lights go out, and so do you. Krissa carried an envelope with a list of power substations in Boise, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, and San Francisco, along with other locations, plus fuel depots. And he had written down the names of 12 to 14 individuals who presumably were targeted for assassination. That list, by the way, included the governor of our state, Kate Brown, here in Oregon. Another target was an AP reporter, an Associated Press reporter. He told the court, we were going to do this to accelerate the fall and make it happen. This is Tim McVeigh stuff. Tim McVeigh thought that by blowing up the federal building in Oklahoma City, this is this is right out of the Turner Diaries, right out of this novel that all these guys read, where the, the hero of the novel blows up a federal building, and as a result, the federal government clamps down and starts taking away guns from good white people who then rise up and kill off all the... The mud races they're referred to in the book. Black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, Jews, kill them all. And in the end of the novel, the white guy standing there with his rifle in his hand over his now Christian white nation. So this case went before a judge who was appointed by Donald Trump, Judge Myers. The story notes, but Judge Myers, a Trump appointee, made light of some of the government's evidence. Myers ordered Moreno a uh, release to home incarceration in the custody of his mother. Judge Myers granted his request to travel next week to an Italian restaurant in Old Bridge, New Jersey, to celebrate the christening for the child of his cousin. Oh, aren't these people sweet? At the same time that Lindsey Graham threw a hissy fit because... People who have never been charged with a crime down in Guantanamo, he thinks, should just die there because they wanted to blow up substations in America, power stations. What the hell is going on? Where are we going in this country? Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two ends, or enter the code Hartman, the two ends before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman.
4: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe
3: Joseph in Bovee, Minnesota. Hey, Joseph, what's on your mind today?
5: Oh, Tom. I'm the guy that calls in that does a spatially explicit one-kilometer COVID forecast. I got something that I just did that might explain why Europe is undergoing this recent surge and why we might have to expect it too. Oh, yeah, and by the way,
3: if I can, Joseph, just, and there's a great, at least there was a couple hours ago, a great article about this posted over on democraticunderground.com england the united kingdom has gone from fewer than a million cases a day a week ago to over four million cases a day today i mean it's just it's exploding right now in the in the uk and you know obviously a lot of these are breakthrough infections this is this uh, the d2 or b2 variant of omicron back to you
5: that's that's correct um yeah uh what i did was for the united states i, I looked at the vaccination record going back to when they started and then accounted for age and uh, the booster shots Mm -hmm. and then weighted those through time and came up with an effective uh, efficacy for each state. And when you look at the United States overall, it's now below 50%, which um, as you know- Are you talking vaccinated or vaccinated and boosted? Vaccinated and boosted. Okay. our total efficacy now is below 50 percent so so we'll get whacked harder than
3: than england did
5: that's true um i haven't done it for the other countries i need to go back through and do it for them too uh so you know people act like the surges there's going to be no surge or nothing's going to happen and my first model run said sure enough there's going to be another surge and in about six weeks, I agree, and um, if and, this and get ready. Scream, hold
3: hold hold on to your seats here because it's going to be a big one.
5: That's that's correct. And um, what this screams for is you know a fourth or a second booster for people. Yep, is definitely needed. And both Moderna and, and um, Pfizer
3: have applications before the FDA, and I don't know why they're taking their damn time on this stuff.
5: Yeah, it needs to be done ASAP. And uh, the other thing was, remember, Pfizer said they'd have a 90-day turnaround for an Omicron-specific vaccine. I haven't heard anything about that now. Neither have I. That would would really be useful, too. But anyways, if you want to look at the chart, it's pinned to my Twitter profile, uh, uh, J-L-E-R-O-L-L. B-L-U-E-S and then I also put forecasts up there you mentioned that before so mm-hmm. if people want to check it out they can look at it and uh, and gather what they want out of it yeah. but uh, anyway you have a wonderful are, are, weekend
3: well thank you Joseph, ahead, just one real quick question before you go are you are, are you laying out the, the differences on a state by state basis that's correct yep. so we're probably going to see what we saw with Delta which is the, the Republican states we're going to see huge spikes and we're going to see a lot of deaths. And in the democratically run states, probably not so much. Is that right?
5: And w- Yeah, well, one, one caveat is the Democratic states tended to vaccinate earlier. Right. So they've, they've, they've aged more.
3: Oh, so their immunity so- might be waning. Oh, geez. Yeah, this thing gets complicated, doesn't it? Joseph, thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks You're for the call. I'll, ch- I'll check out the uh, Twitter feed here during the break. Thank you. Stick around. In Great Falls, Montana. Hey, Rick.
1: What's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. There's some talk going around about what uh, Cancun Cruise was doing in Montana when he had that little altercation at the Oh, airport. yeah. I
3: saw a news story about that. He got a he got a fight with a with a uh, an airline employee, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. He showed up late for his pre-board and, and wanted to make exception to the rule, and they finally had to call authorities in to settle him down.
3: Was it because his first class seat was gone, or because he couldn't get on the plane when he wanted? I mean, what what was the, the 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 nuance here? What was actually going on?
1: No, he he was late for the flight. He, he was late for pre boarding, so right. he wanted to make him, you know, cut corners to let him.
3: Oh, so he wanted to cut the line.
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Right. <laughs> and you know, there's talk saying, well, what's he even doing in Montana? And someone said, well, it must have been a, a Republican fundraiser. Nah, that's yeah. not it.
3: Okay, well, was what was it?
1: He was down visiting folks at the at the Yellowstone Club.
3: And what's that?
1: That's, uh, that? that's a private ski area for the elite, the one percenters. Right. Like Shaquille O'Deal's home out there, it's not a home, it's an estate now, is over $50 million. Whoa. If you've got it, you know
3: (laughs) flaunted, I
1: guess. But so, so owns a home there. There's, there's all kinds of them. So was
3: Cruz there to party, or was Cruz there to suck up to the billionaires who live there?
1: That's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. That's Uh, something I, I can't, I can't answer. Those
3: two, Uh, those two are not necessarily mutually exclusive, I suppose. So how are the people, Rick? You live in Great Falls, Montana. How are the people of Montana responding to? Is it? I mean, is it a big story in Montana, or is it just you know some little passing thing?
1: I uh, just kind of something blew by. Yeah. Actually, they like they like the press, you know. Yeah. They like a little bit of uh, advertising.
3: Yeah. Funny, yeah. funny.
1: And and, and yeah. also, I you know, I, uh,
3: a friend of mine lived in Montana for many years, and and he would constantly tell me that there is, uh, particularly in I'm forgetting the name of your your largest college town there, but. Um, that uh, there's actually a fairly strong progressive movement in Montana. Is that true?
1: Yes, Missoula, Montana. Missoula fill that bill. Yep. And, and there is an underground newspaper there, and all kinds of uh, uh, things on the left.
3: Yeah, yeah. Are are do you think that it, it, it was, is making any inroads at all into the into the rural uh, right wing Republican areas of Montana, or are they just you know hardcore shut down, nothing but Fox News?
1: Well, the, the sad thing of it is, uh, all I hear about is the angry white men of the South as, as Republicans. Huh. I went to I went to the protest last time. The ex president was here, huh. and uh, I couldn't believe the number of children and, and uh, young teenagers that were att- attending his rally. It, it, it was pretty mind boggling.
3: Wow! Uh, so. Donald Trump playing the Pied Piper, bringing the kids in?
1: Yeah, right on. That's, that's There's nice. a lot of rednecks here in Montana. It's I
3: get anywhere. it. I get it. Rick, thanks for the report. It's great to hear from you, and thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV.
2: I appreciate the call.
3: Joey in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Joey, what's on your mind today?
2: Hey, Tom, how you doing? Thanks for picking up. Sure. What's uh, up? I have a statement and a question. Are uh, there any mainstream media or the main reasons why Mr. Orange? want to stay in power want to stay in power not because he's a fascist because he's not that bright. He just wanted to avoid prosecution. That's the main number one reason. He wanted to avoid prosecution. He wanted to change the law. and I think that's, that's
3: the up. second reason. I think his first reason is uh, he's raised a couple hundred million dollars since he left office.
2: Well, that too. That too but if he, was, if he was in office, he would still be raking the government and anybody can. So yeah. he just wanted to stay in power to avoid prosecution and change laws. Yeah. And my question for you is, Is there any mechanism where voters or the American people can know our elected officials, whether it's Senate or Congress, who funds them, who donates to them, who pays for the campaigns? Yes and no. Yes
3: and no. Uh, If you go to opensecrets.org, you can plug in the name of any politician and you'll get everybody that has donated to their campaigns. And uh, and in fact, in some cases, you'll even get uh, PAC donations, their political action committees. That's uh, that sad.
2: You have to be you have to be active. Uh, I mean, if a layman person who just votes once, the, you know, every election, I, it should be scroll. It should be a, whenever they're on, on TV or anything, it should be scrolling on the bottom who donates to them.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joey. Um, that said, though, the the fact that there is some transparency in the law, there's a whole bunch of nonprofits out there, and several groups of right wing billionaires who've just turned this into an art form, who have figured out how they can, you know, just help out a candidate without actually giving them money in a way that would never be revealed you know like the pharmaceutical companies it was alleged were running you know uh, over a million dollars with ads to help Kirsten cinema in arizona when she blew up the ability of medicare to, to negotiate drug prices so yeah there's some transparency but there's also you know some not transparency and that's problematic joey thanks for the call we need to tighten up those laws So a lot coming up today in the program and of course your calls as well and we will get to those in a minute but my op-ed today uh, over at hartmanreport.com is uh, you know it's not one of the biggest stories of the day it's kind of not written in the center of the news of the day although in a way it is and i probably should go in and edit the article after i get off the air because the story is about how if you build a building as it were on the internet, the rules are quite different than if you build a building on the, you know, on the street or you have your own home. If, if, and this goes back to the old castle doctrine from 1275, Edward III in England, the idea that your home is your castle and you can defend it, we are, we're all familiar with that, but the flip side of it is your home is also, you are responsible for what happens in your home. So if you put a sign out in front of your house that said, big party tonight, no rules, everybody welcome. And you end up with a bunch of people, you know, selling heroin out of your kitchen and the police bust in and drag off the pushers. They're going to drag you off, too, because you invited them in and you knew what was going on. You have a liability for that. Similarly, if you were the manager of a Home Depot, for example, and, you know, they've got big empty spaces in there and you decided one Friday night the store is empty. Hey, let's turn it into a party space and, and, and people are doing illegal things in there you and home depot would have some liability for what happens in your building we all understand that this is not revolutionary thinking but in 1996 the u.s congress passed this uh, telecommunications act of 1996 that contained something called section 230 and what section 230 says is yes if you build a house and you let you know somebody sell heroin there uh, you have some liability for that you have some responsibility if you have a business building and you let people deal you know deal illegal guns out of the back office you have liability but if you build a castle on the internet you have no liability if you invite people in who commit crimes which is you know part of how mark zuckerberg became one of the richest people on the planet building a big castle on the internet and having essentially no liability now courts have found a few areas where there can be some liability human trafficking copyright violations but by and large this is still very much the case and so what i'm saying in my book uh, the hidden history of big brother and also in in my op-ed today over at hartmanreport.com is that we need to do something about this limitation on liability for, for internet-based, uh, mostly social media, but for basically internet-based uh, operations. I'm not saying rip it apart altogether. We need to have a conversation about it. But, and it's also not, I'm not the only one saying this. Josh Hawley wrote a book called The Tyranny of Big Tech. Yes, that guy, Josh Hawley, in which he makes the same argument that I'm making. So all of that, that, that that's my op-ed today, and all of that stuff is like, there's all that. But here's the news that adds on to it and like I said if I have time this afternoon I'll go in and edit my own op-ed to, to inc- include this and that is that yesterday the European Union just passed the world's most far-reaching laws to rein in the power of these big tech companies. They, they have one law that says that if you do more than 83, if, you're, if your platform has a market value of more than 83 billion dollars, which includes Alphabet, you know the company that owns Google, Amazon, Apple, Meta, the company that owns Facebook and Microsoft, that if you, if you are one of these companies, um, you may not violate these laws. So what do the laws say? Well, the, 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 one of the laws says that social media companies have to police their platforms more aggressively. I mean, it's just very straightforward stuff, which is sort of what I'm talking about here. Number one. Number two, that uh, Apple, for example, on the Apple App Store, you, you have to have Apple's approval to be in the App Store, period. And by the way, you can't sell things like, you know, for example, if you use the Apple App Store and you bring up your Amazon app on your Apple iPhone and you try on your Amazon app to pay for a movie that you want to watch on Amazon Prime, you can't do that. You have to log in on the Internet because Apple says, you know, you're going to give us a piece of that money or you can't do it. Well, the European Union said, tough luck, Apple. You're going to have to let what they call alternative billing billing systems uh, exist. Uh, Amazon would also be barred from using data collected from outside sellers uh, this is a big problem, you know, or, or for many companies, they sell, they go on Amazon and they sell something and it gets really popular and does really well. And Amazon says, oh, that's cool. Look at that. They're really popular on our platform. Let's compete with them. And so there's all these Amazon branded products and you know, it's, it's hurting companies. So they're, the, the EU is saying you can't do that anymore. And then also meta and Google, Facebook and Google, basically the largest sellers of online ads will be limited from uh, offering targeted ads at you unless you consent to receiving those ads. So a whole bunch of transparency stuff, a whole bunch of anti-monopoly stuff, literally just approved by the European Union. Big deal stuff, big changes on the internet. So it's the Tom Hartman program, the place where despair is not an option. On the line with us for our Progressive National Town Hall meeting is Congressman Ro Khanna. Congressman Khanna represents the 17th District of California, an area sometimes referred to as Silicon Valley. He's the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee and the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. His website is khanna.house.gov, K-H-A-N-N-A, and his Twitter handle is RepRo Khanna. Congressman Khanna, welcome back. To start out with, I'm just curious your take on... You know, what's going on in the world where, you know, obviously Ukraine is kind of front and center, but also other issues that are on your radar screen today.
6: Well, good to be back on. I mean, obviously the images out of Ukraine are just horrific. The killing of mothers and children, the potential war crimes. I think what the president has done has been correct, which is to provide weapons to the Ukrainians to make this fight, to provide money. But at the same time, to de-escalate in every possible way, to say we're not going to be sending uh, our troops there and getting into a shooting war with Russia, we're not going to be getting into a shooting war with our planes, and that we support aggressive diplomacy to have some ceasefire in empowering Zelensky to do that in terms that he sees are acceptable. I mean, it's not, unfortunately, I don't think it will be a just peace where Ukraine gets back everything that's... They want, but the alternative to having some ceasefire is thousands of Ukrainians dying every day.
3: Yeah, yeah. We've seen the news reports about the meeting between President Biden and President Xi of China, and it sounds like Xi has shifted from basically not saying anything about what's going on or even occasionally parroting Putin's propaganda to just coming right out and saying it's time for this war to stop. Do you have anything to add on that or any insights into that?
6: Not beyond what I've read in the news. I mean, I think China is looking at this and saying, wow, the world rallied very quickly against Putin, and punishing economic sanctions for Russia would be even more calamitous for China. And so I think this has given them pause in being on the wrong side of of this conflict. Obviously, if we can get them to condemn Putin or even just stay neutral, that would be significant. What we can have, and I think what the president made clear is, we can't have China being the place that continues to buy things in, in significance from Putin or in any way provide them with economic assistance. And it was reassuring that it seems that uh, he's not going to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you.
3: So anything else you wanted to, to, to highlight or should we just pick up phone calls here?
6: Well, well the only other thing I would highlight is again on this uh, new version of Build Back Better, whatever we're going to call it, uh, You know, having climate, if ever there were a time to say we can't be dependent uh, on petro-states like Russia, like Saudi Arabia. We need a moonshot in this country on clean technology to defeat these petro-states. It's, it's now. And I think the $500 billion that Biden has proposed on climate, that even Manchin is for, the new innovation investments, we need to pass it. And and, and if we can't pass it now, where the need is so obvious, then when? And then the second thing is, Sheldon, I proposed a... Tax on the big oil profits. You know they're out there making billions of dollars while people are paying more at the pump, and those profits should be taxed and, and sent as a rebate check to working class Americans because economy is an increasing production. They're using those profits by their own admission to, to send to shareholders. It's totally unconscionable that. The, the working class americans are suffering and they have to sacrifice for patriotism but not the big oil companies
3: yeah time for a windfall profits tax so i don't recall if it was nixon or carter who tried that do you think it's actually possible it could pass
6: you know it's uphill because of the, the of the lobby that oil has but it's very popular i mean it's been popular among this is not just something progressives are for a lot of swing state members are for it and again you have this situation yeah. Which it it should pass.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Congressman Connor taking your calls today. So let's start with Vincent in Tallahassee, Florida. You are on the air with Representative Connor.
6: Hey guys, how you doing today? Good.
5: It's great. Right. Um I got something I got something I want to present to you, sir. Thinking about the fact that across the country you have a lot of law enforcement officers. They drive the Harley Davidson motorcycles. Well, at the same time, Harley Davidson has a, an electric motorcycle. What I was thinking the fact that you guys should think about a program whereas the officers can have access to these electric vehicles by giving them a rebate. So you would have law enforcement officers riding around in electric vehicles.
6: Hmm. No, that's a great idea. You know, that's a great idea, I think. Uh, and it would create uh, the – we need the cultural acceptance of these vehicles and having officers do it and having them drive electric vehicles and creating a rebate of some kind is, is great. I mean, look, the bill bag better – provisions of climate, the $500 billion, are broad and cover a lot of policies for electric vehicles that provide these kind of rebates, and it would be up to the DOT to administer the details. What we got to do is first pass the, the money, and then we can uh, figure out the exact programs.
3: Jake in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania, you're on the air with Representative Connor.
6: Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Connor I've got one quick suggestion for you. The last time I talked to you, we were talking about getting money out of politics. And you'd sort of going along with, yeah, let's set up a division to do that, you know, staff it. with. I'm hoping you'll agree to putting, staffing it with independence. But at any rate, uh, I've got a suggestion for the title for it, and that's a Deploy Democracy Division. Uh, Any comments?
3: Uh, what democracy provision? Deploy Jake. democracy division.
6: Deploy is the, democracy. The, the... That, that's great. I mean, look, there's alliteration. I mean, I, I think the important thing, Jake, is that we have some uh, division. I think we, we talked about an anti-corruption division, a uh, a division that really makes sure that you don't have uh, all of this money to influence in Congress or uh, people buying their own uh, businesses, as Trump did time and again, and abusing the executive office. Uh, that all needs to be uh, in an anti-corruption unit. We can say it's protecting democracy, deploying democracy, but most other Western democracies have that, and we don't. We leave it up to Congress until Congress, you know, with the January 6th Commission, is a perfect case. I mean, we investigate and then we issue a report, but we have no power to actually prosecute or to actually... Uh, take action. We need a federal agency that has that.
3: Joy in Coos Bay, Oregon, you're on the air with Representative Connor. Good morning. Thank you for
7: taking my call, and thank you, uh, Congressman Connor for an- for helping me out here. My question is, how can I get help with a civil rights police misconduct case? I filed a complaint with the Department of Justice, and I have contacted the ACLU. But unfortunately, where this was taking place was in Del Norte County in California, and it's such a remote county. It's so small and so remote that it's difficult to find an attorney who will help me with this situation. I actually spoke to an attorney in Del Norte County yesterday who said that they refused to sue anybody in Del Norte County, and I was actually recommended to not even go to Humboldt County because the corruption is so extensive. So can you please give me some help on how I could address this? I was homeless for a year, and I was harassed. I was harassed out of my home, and I was homeless for a year. And they basically driven me out of the state of California. And I would really like to have some help. Thank you.
6: Joy, thank you for sharing your story, and I can tell you have suffered a a great deal. You can contact our office, but really you need to contact a member of Congress, whichever office you're currently residing in uh, and they can help and if if they don't get in touch with you, contact our office and we'll put you in touch with whoever your member of Congress is who can help.
3: Is the thing to say when you call in, I'd like to speak to constituent services? Is that the magic phrase?
6: Exactly, exactly. I mean, look, you know, sometimes people can be overwhelmed, but if you if you call one or two times, uh, you will get someone and you'll get a case manager. And people who don't really think they're showing, you can always call my office. We legally can't help you if you're not a constituent, but we can refer you uh, to your member of Congress.
3: Great. Thank you. From Markey in Bayview, Washington, you are on the air with Representative Connor.
4: Thank you, Congressman, for all you do. I wanted to talk to you and see what your response would be. The other day, Tom did a rant about Article 3 in the Constitution, about Congress regulating the Supreme Court, and I wondered if anyone has even cons- considering doing that in Congress.
3: This is about imposing a uh, or or even recommending a code of judicial ethics, Congressman.
6: I am for a code of judicial ethics. I mean, look at what's coming out with Clarence Thomas and his wife, where his wife is engaged in uh, actual activity, financial activity, and the judges or justices uh, are sitting at Thomas about ruling on that. I mean, that's uh, completely unethical. And they don't even have to disclose any of their stock trades, any of their financials. So I think the same rules to apply to them as members of Congress or the executive branch.
3: Congressman, I have a question for you, if I may. I'm, I'm seeing that several news reports that Bernie Sanders is encouraging you to run for president <laughs> in 2024 if Joe Biden <laughs> decides not to run for re-election. Do you want to make any kind of uh, comments on that?
6: I'm not doing it. I, mean, I was flattered by it, obviously. But I think Bernie should run in 24. and if not... I mean, if Joe Biden, obviously he runs, I'll support him, if not someone else. I mean, uh, I am still uh, building, and I think that that article is just what it, what it shows to me, and I, I'm definitively not, not running in 24, but what it shows to me uh, is that there's a hunger for a progressive candidate who's going to stand for uh, working class issues, Medicare for all, free public college, canceled student, student loans, that these issues are, haven't gone away uh, and that they deserve a, a voice. Yeah. Amen.
3: Keno in Lakeland, Florida, you're on the air with Representative Connor.
5: Yes, I represent the Moose Herder agenda. And I want to request, uh, Congressman Connor that the Democratic Party appoint a committee of Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, and Jimmy Carter, and they write a letter to Nicaragua's Ortega with hopes and ideals of restoration of democracy in Nicaragua and then they write a letter to Russia the Russian people and Putin that he restored democracy released Navalny and it'll be a powerful statement from three powerful democrats Hillary Clinton Kamala Harris and Jimmy Carter if they make statements of hopes of ideals and it'll give Kamala Harris good publicity that she needs what do you think
6: well, I'm for them calling for democracy and democratic reform in, in Russia and Nicaragua. I am uh, a little bit um, skeptical whether just writing a letter would, would do much, but it can't hurt. And certainly uh, having them speak out clearly uh, is important, uh, and, 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 and as every uh, Democratic politician should.
3: Sure. Marie in Atlanta, Georgia, you're on the air with Representative Connor. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Congressman Khanna, I'm I'm curious, Um, the theory behind imposing a windfall penalty for um, those who don't pay into Social Security, um, either because they can't, uh, literally cannot, as an employee, write a check directly, or um, because their business is small, um, I'm interested in how that might be leveraged as a way to encourage a windfall profits tax against these companies that are taking excess money from the public by way of gouging on pricing
6: just a thought that's interesting i haven't i hadn't thought of the analogy on 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 windfall but you know whatever the small businesses are doing and they may have to pay a tax is nothing compared to what these oil companies are doing which is making billions of dollars they don't uh, produce more uh, because the price when the, the barrel was low, when the price goes high, they still aren't producing more. They're pocketing the money, and they're giving it to their shareholders. That ought to be taxed if it's up. If they're charging more than $66 a barrel. And that will incentivize them to bring down the price, and then the checks ought to go to the working class, and uh, that seems to me uh, a very important policy right now.
3: Jeanette, in Spirit Lake, Idaho, you are on the air with Representative Connor.
4: Oh, thank you so much. Um, my concern is winning elections and getting beyond the corporate media to win the messaging. I live in a really red area, and, you know, the key in bringing people together, everybody on both sides agrees that we need to get money out of politics. You know that. Um, and it just seems like now is a really good time understanding what's going on in Russia and the power of the oligarchies and the danger in the media. And my idea, I'm wondering what you would think, um, about, I think what we need is an app that would use facial recognition to attach NASCAR-like labels to politicians uh, and, and the media, and then um, use those pics and social media and billboards across the nation um, for elections. I mean, I know progressives would get behind this. Do you think this is a good idea, and would Democrats— but the people in the Democratic Party, even Joe Biden, get behind really exposing. You know, we know we need to get money out of politics. We're trying to get these, um, you know, fair election laws passed. But but we need to get to the people, and they need to think and understand that we that they can trust us. And I, I it just seems to me like this would be a really good idea. But I'm concerned about the the power of
6: the money in the Democratic let's, Party. And would let's they let's get a, let's get an answer here, Janet.
3: We we just have a few seconds. Thank
6: you. I, I think if we can appeal culturally with apps of NASCAR cars and, and show that we're connecting with people where they are, I think that's great. And we need, I'm not sure if it works or not, but we need to try creative approaches like yours to break through.
3: Yeah, she, she, uh, I think she was suggesting that uh, we that they superimpose the logos of the companies who own the politicians on the
6: politicians. Ah, wow, that's great. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea. Great yeah, just,
3: just like yeah, NASCAR, where they've got their sponsors all over their uniforms. Congressman Ro right. is with us that's for uh, clever. Yeah, it, it is clever. Congressman Ro Khanna is with us taking your calls in a national progressive town hall meeting. We'll be back with more of your calls for him in just a moment.
2: this is the tom hartman
3: program our book today in the tom hartman book club is beyond the valley by ramesh srinivasan this is from chapter one the power of data in november 2017 my apple macbook pro was stolen it happened on the island of ibiza where i was visiting my friend a documentary filmmaker we were thinking of making a series of short films to illustrate innovative uses of new technology around the world We sat together writing down examples of technological innovation, subversion, and creativity we'd already witnessed. We discussed themes I explore in this book, such as surveillance, the gig economy, and the future of work, artificial intelligence, and cryptocurrencies. After uploading our ideas to Google's cloud-based storage platform, Google Drive, we took a short break, locking our laptops in the trunk of our rented car. When we returned, both laptops were gone. Although upset, I was also relieved. I'd be able to recover most of my data because almost all of it was in the cloud. That was what I signed on to when I stored my files with Google as well as with Apple, Microsoft, and Dropbox. But in the bargain, I'd allowed them to profit from my data. It dawned on me, given the terms of service I'd agreed to, that the value of of my data to the storage companies was far greater than the value of my laptop to the thief. How many of us are fully aware that companies providing us with cloud storage have ways to monetize our data? They use targeted advertising, for instance, and charge fees once we get hooked on the security and peace of mind that their free services offer. We put faith in these companies to store our files securely but our private information may no longer remain private if, let's say, the government asks to search through our data. It's also not private because all this data is surveilled, computed, and often manipulated in mysterious ways to influence and shape our behaviors as these corporations see fit. By creating accounts with these companies, we give them access to ourselves. So when we consent to privacy policies, in reality, we're signing on to systems of surveillance never before seen in human history, and we do so without being included or consulted. By desiring to keep our data accessible and recoverable, we lock ourselves into using their services. As I thought about getting my files back in, in Ibiza, I wondered, does access to my own property have to come with such strings attached? In my relationship to Apple, I find the strings impossible to untie. By purchasing an Apple laptop, I had unwittingly transformed from a customer into a part of the product's, uh, company's product line. I had provided Apple with private data and trusted Apple to protect it. Now, to retrieve that data, I had to purchase a new laptop with Apple-owned peripherals and devices. So I caught the next flight to Madrid. I then took the train to the city's Apple Store located in Puerto del Sol. In many ways, this central plaza still serves in its centuries-old role as a landmark and gathering place for the entire Spanish nation, a point from which numerous roads emanate. With its distinctive aesthetic and its strategic placement in a civic space, The Apple Store stood out among the adjacent parliamentary and government buildings as if the global brand were more powerful than Spain itself. The day I was there, more people entered and left the Apple Store than passed through the doors of my neighboring building. In 2017, Apple, a private corporation worth more than a trillion dollars, actually began to conceptualize its retail stores as town squares, thereby branding itself an integral part. Of our everyday lives other big technology corporations describe themselves in similar terms facebook ceo and founder mark zuckerberg for instance refers to the company as a social infrastructure for the global community so what we have in the digital world are privately owned public spheres they're branded as public civic and virtuous but in reality are dominated by a single logic extending profitability and economic value how can these companies interests be the same as the public interest like many other large corporations apple is shareholder owned and therefore primarily accountable to its investors and executives rather than to its employees customers or the general public i had not begun to unpack the meaning of all this until i realized how monumental the port de sol apple store actually was as an icon and a structure as i walked into the store an apple employee invited me to purchase a new machine log on to my iCloud account, and retrieve from Apple Cloud Storage the data that I lost from my stolen laptop. These transactions, completed in less than an hour, were simple and efficient. My data was extraterritorial, easily retrievable in Spain, and likely would be in most other countries. Purchasing a new laptop and getting my data back supported Apple's economic model. National borders were no threat or hindrance. The same was true with the retrieving data I had stored on other corporate cloud servers managed by Google and Dropbox. In technology circles, this saying has made the rounds. If you're not the customer, then you're the product. Many of today's technologies come to us for free, but in return, our personal lives come for free to these technologies. They are accessible for the company's profit and gain. Yes, when we search Google, we look for information, but. Do we realize that Google is also searching us? And it goes on from there. So the book is Beyond the Valley by Ramesh Srinivasan. Welcome back. Congressman Roe O'Connor taking your calls. And uh, Anne, in Washington, D.C., you are on the air with Representative Khanna.
0: Yes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking my call, first-time caller. Congressman, I've never heard anyone ask this question. Uh, I work a lot with, with women, and I'm signing the ERISA Act, the Employment, Retirement, you know, Income Security Act, which was supposed to help everyone, but especially women, so that spouses just couldn't escound with their retirement. Uh, is actually having the opposite, a detrimental effect. Many of these women uh, have worked at universities or in medical places, and now when they want to take some of their retirement, maybe increase their, their RMD or switch to a lifetime annuity, they have to have their husband, their spouse's signature. And what I'm hearing, many of them, the husbands refuse to sign it. And so they're kind of stuck. Is anyone working with that? It was a good idea but it's also being abused, and some of these, of course, husbands are from many years ago because they're retired, but it's just really, it's just terrible. It's just a, a, bond, a bondage, and they can't even have control over their own money that they worked so hard for. You
6: know, I did not know, I was not aware of this issue and, with Arissa and, and that they aren't being able to, to get their money. Um, it's the 1st time learning about this. Uh, I will look into it. If you're Uh, Into our office with a little bit more detail, I'm happy to look into it and if there can be a legislative fix. Uh,
3: Mina in St. Paul, Nebraska, you are on the air with Representative Connor. Good
0: morning. Um, The Democratic Party wants to have an issue that gets the young people involved and interested in the elections. Wouldn't them promoting decriminalization or legalization of marijuana be one step towards helping that to happen?
6: I I mean, I think, first of all, on the merits we need to do it. It's the racial justice issue because uh, black and Latino people are are going to jail and a lot of uh, white young people who uh, use marijuana don't go to jail. Uh, But I also think that, yes, uh, studies have shown that it gets young people out to vote and uh, we ought to be for it. And there's a huge generational divide in the Democratic Party on this issue.
3: Marie in Cortland, New York, you're on the air with Representative Conum
4: great thank you I'm calling with a question about the funding bill that just passed to fund the government and the exclusion of COVID from that. And I apologize if somebody's already asked this question, but I'd like to know, um, apparently it was a bipartisan move to use already allocated unspent funds to pay for um, the COVID needs that we have now. And And the news report I heard was that it was voted down by the Dems. I'd like to know why and what's the plan to get those funds
6: I was voted down because some of the the representatives from some of the states in the Midwest thought that it would take from the state funds to pay for it, because the Republicans were unwilling to allocate new funds for COVID. And so what what we need to do is get new funds, uh, given that COVID still is with us, given that we still have needs, and given the economy. And we were committed to doing that. The speaker's committed to doing that in this next month.
3: Joseph in San Diego, you're on the air with Congressman Connor.
5: Hi, thank you very much for taking my call.
6: Mr. Connor, I'd like you to speak a little bit about the Washington slush fund in Congress and the House of Representatives that allows uh, individuals that have been harmed by sexual uh, misconduct uh, within the Congress and the representatives. How can we access that information? Is that information available? Who's being paid off, and uh, for this uh, for this problem? You know, I've called for the public release of that. Uh, it's still not accessible. I, I will say this: that post me too, and I, uh, I I think I'm pretty confident saying this that the situations, if the culture has changed, I'm sure there are still cases, but people have become much more aware of the law and the appropriateness. Of uh, of behavior, but there is a generation of of these cases, and I do think that they, if as long as the uh, the victim is okay with it, I think they should be made public.
3: Anthony in Dearborn, Michigan. Anthony, we have 55 seconds to the end of the hour. You got a very quick question, please.
5: Yeah, quickly, um, Representative Khanna, In 2019, you uh, signed a letter to Secretary Pompeo about FTO, you know, foreign terrorist organizations, and uh, state about in Ukraine, and stating that they have the capability to, uh, you know, cause harm to American nationals and engage in terrorism, and that included the. Azov What's your battalion, question, you, Anthony? So, so how come uh, the, you're not concerned that you know there's a an official terrorist battalion incorporated into the Ukraine
2: government? Okay.
6: I am concerned. I mean, I, I think this is a answer to a questions I was asked earlier. Do I, I stand by the view that the Azov battalion has Nazi ties and is, should not be getting weapons? But you have to look at the broader context. There are less than 1 percent. It's the Ukrainian army. Right now, Ukraine is, Ukraine is in a struggle for its survival. And in a messy and imperfect world, I think we have to give Ukrainians weapons and try to minimize them getting into the Azov battalion given the threat of Putin's But. Uh, you're right that I, I have written to stop that uh, the ads of from getting, getting weapons.
3: Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by today. It's always great having you on.
6: Always great being on. Thank you so much. Thank you.